0: to episode 16, chapter
1: 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. This is our final
0: chapter with Casey Tigret. He's an author, pastor, and spiritual director, and he's the host of the OtherWise podcast, a place for gathering wise conversations about living well on the journey with Jesus. He holds both a Master of Divinity degree and a Doctor of Ministry in Spiritual Formation degree from Lincoln Christian Seminary. He has taught both graduate and undergraduate level courses in Christian higher education, both in the United States and Australia. He also serves as a board member for the Apprentice Institute a program focusing on Christian spiritual formation located at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas. He's the author of two books, Becoming Curious, A Spiritual Practice of Asking Questions, and As I Recall, Discovering the Place of Memories in the Spiritual Life, both of these with InterVarsity Press. Casey has served both in rural churches of 25 and suburban megachurches of 10,000. He and his wife Holly and their daughter Bailey currently live in Chicago, Illinois, where he is the theologian-in-residence at Parkview Christian
1: Church. If I told you that your memories didn't belong to you, would you believe me? Probably not, right? And that's because, unless we share our memories with another person, no one else will know about them. But there has been two recurring themes that have come up throughout our conversation this week with Casey. The first one is that we need to give our memories over to God so that he can redeem them through his love and grace. And the second is that we should be walking with someone else in order to process these memories and make space for the Holy Spirit to do this work in us. And today's chapter is all about how we can combine both of these practices into one. Because Casey serves as a spiritual director, I wanted to ask him how walking with a spiritual director could help us find Jesus in our own lives. What makes a good spiritual director? What should people be looking for Um, if if they say, well, I, I don't, you know, my church doesn't have a spiritual director per se, or that's not what their title is. So how can they go about looking for a good spiritual director?
2: Well, I think there's some character and some practical pieces that are important. A good spiritual director should always listen more than they talk. And they are they are not like a therapist. So people who have gone through helping professions or had helping services before, spiritual direction will seem kind of odd. Because a spiritual director's job is really not to give advice, not to solve problems but to really ask as many open-ended questions as possible that draw the directee back to what God is doing, what God has done, and what they are doing in response. So one of the things is the, the ability for someone who is able to hold silence for another person. And so training for spiritual direction, that was probably the oddest thing, is the most odd thing, let me my grammar right here, um, is to be able to hold on to a silent moment That awkward, like, somebody should be saying something, like, we're Americans, somebody should be saying something right now, and uh, just to hold that and let that space sit and just listen for, because a good director is listening for what God is saying through the other person, what God is saying in them, and what the Spirit is saying to them, and so there needs to be a good amount of silence there. Uh, Spiritual direction is also very prayer-centered, so... Every direction session that I do begins with some sort of silent prayer where we, what I call take on, taking off the backpack. We lay down the heavy stuff that we've carried all day long, and we set it aside for a little bit to be picked up later because it's responsibilities, but we put that down for a moment so that we're unencumbered and we're able to listen well. Uh, finding a director can be difficult. Uh, there are some website resources that I can give you to put in the show notes if you'd like, uh. Some of them are very general and have spiritual directors from all sorts of spiritual traditions. So Christian, but also Buddhist and Hindu. So, you know, be, being discerning if you, if you want a Christian spiritual director. There also is an evangelical organization of spiritual directors as well. And so they have a database where you pick your state and then you can find a director in your area. But uh, that's, it's an interesting thing because it's a tradition and a practice that's starting to come around for churches that are, it, traditionally it's been a Catholic practice or an Episcopal or Anglican practice, but, uh, but it's coming around now to to more evangelical Protestant churches too. So,
1: is it something that you have to get certified in so uh, to be maybe especially listed on some of those websites, or uh, what does that process look like? I'm just curious. Yeah,
2: <laughs> to be a part of the database, you you do have to have certification from some kind of institution, that a training institution. So there are uh, graduate schools and undergrad schools that offer spiritual direction. Uh, degree programs. North Park University here in the Chicagoland area does. Uh, there are a few other places that do as well. and But there are also ones that the one I went to is called Christos, and it's out of Minnesota. And it was me and a bunch of people who were, uh, you know, lay leaders, or they did something else on the side, and they just wanted to have this skill. Uh, it is good to go through a training program, mainly because there's so much sensitivity that's very similar to therapy or counseling that needs to be taught things. How do you maintain confidentiality? How do you you know, do a hold harmless agreement? Some of those things are very similar between direction and counseling. Uh, but it is important to have someone who, who has gone through some training. Uh, but that also depends on what you want from them. So some people see, like, a spiritual director slash mentor, and they just want somebody who is wise that asks good questions, and that's great. You can find that person on your own. There isn't a really a database for that, sadly, but...
1: Yeah. How did the uh, Lord call you into ministry, then? What really led into this?
2: That's a great question. So it leads to memory. Um... It leads to 1997, 1995 summer in Phoenix, Arizona. I was at a, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, and I was at a youth congress, and it was 121 degrees in Phoenix that day. I remember that. Yeah, you don't forget something like that when the cool pave- Phoenix day, <laughs> yeah, when, <laughs> when the pavement is melting underneath you, you don't really forget that. And I had been wrestling with what I wanted to do for a living uh, for some time. And I'd already chosen a school and chosen a major. I, had, I was going to go into pharmacy because I thought I could make a lot of money. Uh, turns out that was a God saving a bunch of people from me because I was horrible at math and science. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, God blessed so many people by me not slinging pills. Uh, so I was at this service and we were. it was a time of worship and I just felt this... This inward movement, uh, and I, I kind of knew where it was headed, and I, I basically just said, I I feel like you want me to do some pastoral ministry, and uh, if that's what you want, then I'll do it. Uh, I did say I'm not sure I want to be a missionary, so let's talk about that later. But uh, and then I went to some family and friends and said, hey, this is what I think I heard, and they confirmed that, and. Um, they went through some changes and some different iterations over the years, but that's where it all began. And uh, ever since then, I've been I've been doing different kinds, but basically the same neighborhood. I lived in different houses in the same neighborhood of pastoral ministry.
1: Did you have a uh, spiritual director then that helped guided you along uh, the path, or who is someone that you looked to uh, as an example of a Christ like life that you could imitate?
2: I, I didn't actually, this is one of the great poverties, I think, of my development. I didn't really have that person until I got into seminary. So probably until about 2003 or 2004 did I find that person. And uh, it was a professor, and he just had a demeanor and a character and an ease of character. You could tell that he wasn't trying to be that way. It just was who he was. And I always joke, he's the kind of guy that walks in a room and everybody's beats per minute go down like three. He's just a calming presence. And uh, I just, I saw that and I said, I want to follow, very much like Paul said, follow me like I follow Christ. And I said, I want to, if that's where he's going, I want to follow that. I want to be where that is, where that's happening. So uh, so that didn't come till much later. And I didn't really find out about the concept of spiritual direction until maybe in the last 10 years or so, um, and reading some books and and starting to look at my own counseling and conversations and going, I'm actually doing that. I just didn't know it was called that. Uh, so that was really the, the step that said, I think you should train for spiritual direction, because you're already doing it. Let's just beef up that that gift that God is obviously asking you to use.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited to see this resurgence of uh these positions especially in the in the Protestant uh churches of uh spiritual directors, uh, coaching, you know, a, a different way of approaching the Christian life where we can walk um, much closer, much more intentional with people, especially when it comes to making disciples uh for too long we feel that the Church has looked at disciple-making as simply the, the classroom steps, and, and so you go through the program, and then, you, then you're then you discipled. And uh, I mean, there, there's obviously a component of that, you know, I'm not putting down the classrooms, it's just that we need that continual, and especially that one-on-one time that we can walk with somebody who's more mature, who's oftentimes older, and, and like you said, that's willing to sit and listen and, and simply hear from the Holy Spirit and ask questions. Uh, so I thank you for your your role in, in, in doing that. Um, one of the questions that we like to ask uh, our guests is, um, what is the most valuable thing that you've learned in the Christian life? And so I can talk for a moment and give you a, a chance to think. This could be from anything, but what we found is, is that Most of the time, uh, we, we have these encounters or these memories, uh, with Jesus that once we have them, they change everything and we can never go back to seeing Jesus the same way again, or it changes our entire life and and experience. It colors our lenses. Um, does anything come to mind when I ask that?
2: Yeah, two things actually, two that I would say upon those, everything else hangs, if I can borrow from Jesus there, um... One is encountering uh, a book by Henry Nowen called Life of the Beloved, and I pull from it for the, there's a chapter in the book about Jesus at the table, and I pull from that book uh, for that chapter in my book. Uh, But it was at a time where I was at a Nazarene Bible college, and I was really, I was neck deep in theology and doctrine and very caught up in a very transactional kind of faith where I do this for you, God does this for me. And to hear his message of how Jesus included and how he welcomed and how he expressed and and distributed grace was a huge moment for me. And that really changed my perspective towards ministry. It also set me on the path of thinking and talking about spiritual formation, which I hadn't before. The other would be uh, listening to Dallas Willard at one point uh, talk about that becoming like Jesus is actually something that's possible. And I feel like that was a moment was as simple as that statement is, and whatever he said after that, he just expounded on it. And it was glorious. It was brilliant. And it was the best thing that anyone's ever said. But uh, just that very simple thought that Jesus invited us to become like him because he actually believes that it's possible. And that has shaped most every day of my life since I've, since I heard it, uh, to think that we can become like Jesus in the skin we're in with all of our memories and all of our questions and all of our restlessness and emotions and failures, but also all of our weirdness and beauty and goodness. And you want to be a pipe fitter, be like Jesus as a pipe fitter. You want to, you know, be a school teacher, the whole thing, uh, there isn't a class or a structure Uh, you know, like a class structure that eliminates some people and includes others. Every human being is invited to become like Jesus, and they can do it, and it's the best life that anyone's ever lived. And that, to me, is—that's just gold. Mm.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree. It's so much freedom in that thought once you really grasp that. And again, similar, uh, Willard was the one that sort of opened my eyes to it. And he just has a way of like cutting through all the stuff. And it's just like, oh yeah, your problem is you don't actually believe you could live like Jesus. And you're like, you're right, I don't. (laughs) And so that's awesome. His whole thing about
2: the cost of discipleship versus the cost of non-discipleship, that's just, man, that's just striking the thing right on the head, isn't it? Like, what's it going to cost you to not follow Jesus if this is the best life ever? And he was he was who he said he was, and you believe he was who he said he was. Then what's it cost you to leave that behind? Man, that is so good.
1: Mm, I know. And the reason why his yoke isn't easy is because you're still holding things back, and you haven't fully committed. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's that's why. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Dallas. I'll I'll get to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it it I think it just reinforces this whole conversation of the role that memory plays and, and how much. We need to incorporate these practices of, of this um, constant reflection of owning the experiences that we've had and of laying those down at the feet of Jesus so that they can be redeemed, and, and they can only be redeemed if we're willing to embrace them and and walk with Jesus through those. And so, uh, anyway, your book is excellent. I know there's still so much we did not be able to get into. I meant to have follow-up with you know, that whole interchange between Jesus and Peter and and segue into how we can forgive but not forget, because that's another great point that you make in the book. Um, But for that, our listeners will have to go and pick up a book. It's, as I recall, Discovering the Place of Memories in Our Spiritual Life. Um, Casey, uh, where can people go to find out more about you and buy the book?
2: Yeah, so the book's available on Amazon. InterVarsity Press website, Barnes & Noble, and all other fine book retailers. Uh, you can find me, my website is uh, my name, Tigrett, t-y-g-r-e-t-t.com. And I'm on the social medias, uh, Instagram and Twitter is at CK tigret, And then uh, Facebook, I have a couple of different places there. Uh, So yeah, Google will will lead you to me if all of those other options fail.
1: And of course, we will have everything linked in the show notes, as well as where you can purchase the book and connect with uh, Casey on his many media platforms. So uh, any last final words before we uh, get off here?
2: Uh, Memories matter. Uh, They matter to God. They matter to you. Uh, You are who you are. We're God's memory-made beings, so don't be scared of them. Uh, there are things to be embraced and redeemed, and that's definitely possible. And uh, I believe that more now, having written this book, than maybe I did even when I started. So hopefully, that's a good thing. Y'all should—you always should learn if you write something this big. So,
1: absolutely. Well, Casey, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. I—I I know it's made a big difference in my life and just how I approach memories, and, and especially with applying that. Um, to my spiritual development, and I'm sure it's going to make a huge impact for our audience as well. So Th- thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it.
0: I want to draw your attention back to what Casey said was one of the most valuable things he's learned in the Christian life. God invites you to become like Jesus because it's actually possible. When you look back over your past and see all of your mistakes, it may seem like you aren't making any progress at times. I personally know what it's like to struggle with some of the same mistakes and face the same painful memories over and over again. This is why it's so valuable to have a spiritual director in your life. Chris and I are both members of Journey Pastoral Coaching. It's a coaching ministry offered to millennial ministers free of charge, and it's supported entirely by donations and private contributions. The spiritual direction and coaching I get reminds me I'm on a lifelong journey. When I feel like I'm not making any progress, my coach reminds me where I used to be and shows me just how far God has brought me. And when I feel intimidated and condemned by my past, he reminds me of God's grace. And this is something each of us as Christians need. You weren't made to walk alone. So I want to challenge you at the end of this week's conversation here to set aside 10 minutes today and think about one or two people you could walk with. If you already have someone, that's great. But if you don't, make a list of one or two people who could give you spiritual direction and remind you of your identity in Christ and of God's grace for your past, present, and future. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Casey and his work, check out CaseyTigret.com. You can also follow him on Facebook or check him out on Instagram and Twitter. At C.K. You should also check out his book, As I Recall, Discovering the Place of Memories in the Spiritual Life at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or InterVarsity Press. If you follow the link to Casey's book in the show notes, you'll also be helping support daily growth discipleship through Amazon's affiliate program. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, be sure to subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.